we discussed, first of all, priorities in charity as to yeah. when it comes to giving a poor person taking or taking care of, of an indigent's medical care needs by giving money to them. They don't have insurance or whatever the case is. So that takes priority in the, in the hierarchy and um, of charity, takes um, priority over giving um, yeah. for any other cause, as we said, almost. For sure, if it's pikoch nefesh, if it's you saving a life, with the giving, the, by a person getting the surgery or the treatment they need, there's no question. But even if not, um, there is a certain priority, we said, for taking care of an indigent person who needs medical care. Yeah. Okay, that's number one. Um, that's what we discussed. Then we got to a case, the question became, what happens if someone has insurance, I, they're in an HMO or they're in Kupat uh, Cholim. It's in Israel, a lower tier of medical care, or technically, I mean, they're going to get um, lower care. And they're asking, um, they want to go to a higher, uh, a better surgeon or a better treatment right. center. Um, they don't want to go to Bentab, they want to go to MD Anderson for their it. cancer, but they can't afford it. Is that considered charity or is not? Okay? Um, that that's the question that uh, that we started with. Um, so so there's a there's actually this is based on an oral discussion with Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach that was written down. He was asked this question in a case where someone needed open heart surgery in Israel. They were covered by the Kupat Cholim, but now they want to go to America to go to quote unquote a better um, surgeon um, who can do this supposedly do the job better, better numbers, better chances of survival with this surgeon. Can they use charitable funds to pay for the person's trip and the, and what they're going to have to pay out of pocket to the surgeon in the United States? So that was what we discussed last week. Um, so he answered like this. He says, I'll just read it again, make sure I'm saying it properly. He says like this. He says, That means it's a... I was trying to say nachutz. It's a urgent. That the chances of him surviving, of a, having successful sh surgery, are much greater if it's done by the expert in the United States. Then it's called and therefore the money donated for the uh, expense of the surgery, you can count that as your charitable funds. You can uh, take it as a deduction on your taxes. Um, and halachically, it's considered, let's say, if you're giving, as we discussed, this minimum of 10% of your income, that would be included in that. Ah, but he says, If it's not urgent, according to the opinions of the doctors, you could have, more or less, the chances are not great, so much greater by doing the surgery um, by the ex by this expert surgeon, then In that case, the donation will not be should not be considered as charitable funds. It's a nice thing. Want to help the guy calm his nerves? You're doing him a favor. He'll be more. He'll be happier. He'll be calmer. But that's not charity. That's called chesed. It's a it's a also a nice mitzvah. But it's not. It can't be considered, and the money cannot be taken from charitable funds to pay for that. Um, so, so it's like an IRS ruling. <laughs> Very vague. Is that what you mean? IRS ruling. Oh. Meaning, uh, meaning the sense of it's 
not clear. Well, it's charity. It was not charity. Deductible is not deductible. No, no, what I'm saying is I thought you meant a lot of IRS rules are very vague. You really don't have to speak to the accountant. You have to get a letter from your accountant. It's not, uh, it's not clear. So that, that's what we ended. We were stuck at the end of last week with this question is what are those chances? How do you define those chances? And is it possible even to define a better doctor, worse doctor, you know, just because he's on, uh, you know, on whatever it is, uh, U.S. News and World Report, best doctor, um, which I think you pay for to get in there, pay a certain amount, so that doesn't make you a better doctor, right? So, so how do you define better, worse? What are these chances? Okay, so that's really question number one. Um, and then the other question we had was, um, when it comes to violating Shabbat or any other case of the Kuch Nefesh, as we're going to discuss, we'll show that you, you even if there's one percent chance, let's say someone on Shabbat. Um, you know, is having some type of pain, internal pain. They go, they go to the guy sitting next to them in shul, doctor sitting next to them, and they, you know, usually go to the bathroom, drops his pants, whatever the case is, right? So, uh, um, that's what doctors told me. They don't go to shul anymore. They have too many people dropping their pants for them <laughs> during the evening. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so the, uh, the, the point is, well, what the point was, Point is also the question is so For right sure. even if the doctor says listen you you seem okay but you know maybe you should get it. there's a ten percent chance or a one percent chance that there's a problem that uh, and therefore you should go to the emergency room to get it checked out okay so the Allah is you're allowed to violate Shabbat for that okay so it seems to be what well, seems to be what we're saying or at least who, according who, to Shlomo Zalman is allowed to violate Shabbat the patient the patient the patient right yeah. to uh, survive we're not discussing doctors all right so so the patient can violate Shabbat. Um, or, or the doctor, if necessary for treatment, if he has to violate Shabbat, would, the same would apply. Right, at Salah, as we mentioned last week, this is new voluntary ambulance. If many times they come to a place, they're going to take you in, or it even could be sometimes legally have to take you in, even if there's just a chance um, that something has their mother lives in an assisted living. If she falls down, the rule is they have to take her to the hospital so she doesn't, so every time she falls. Charity? There, one second. So, so anytime she falls, she doesn't call because she, <laughs> she doesn't want to have to go to the hospital. That's the rule of the place. So, so meaning, so the halach is very much similar to the same. We err, we always err on the side of caution. There's even a one percent chance that there's a danger to your life. You will we allow you to violate Shabbat or to eat non-kosher, whatever the case is. So here it seems in the laws of charity, according to at least according to Rabbi Orbach, he's saying when it comes to money, the bar is higher. Meaning on Shabbat, if there's a one percent chance. We're going, to, we're going to violate the law of Shabbat, which, as we know, is a very serious law. When it comes to, uh, you know, maybe there's better chances of a, the guy survival rate in this for this surgeon. Yeah, that's not charity. You don't have to pay for that. You don't have to give for that. It's a, it's a nice thing. It's massive, but it's not charity. Okay, so that means we're setting. When it comes to money, we're going to we set the bar higher. The standard seems higher than when it comes to violating Shabbat. You know, it's a standard from I'm saying, do you hear the? Do you I hear that? That's what it would seem. Yes, you hear the question. So obviously, it's a question. Money, we're more concerned about money than Shabbat. Yeah. There's a problem. Right Setting the bar yeah. higher. That's what yes. you mean. It's not the right comparison. The right yeah. comparison would be a guy's in the hospital. He's going to have surgery on Saturday because it's a matter of life and death. And there's another surgeon over at the other hospital who's 50% better. Can he take an ambulance to the other hospital? To have so we, so that uh, is, that's, that's a great comparison. Better. I'm not sure why it's a better comparison, but... Oh, m meaning that's that's also not a money. So in that situation, 100% we would allow that to happen. Yeah. I'm not sure why. Meaning, not the money. right? That's the question. So why not the money? By the way, he we, I think we even mentioned that case. He does discuss the case. Let's see if I can find it quickly. I think that case is. Um, 
um, he discusses that case. Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, yes, they, they are that you're allowed to do that. They are he similar does in the it. sense that both saying it sounds like both situ- if it's pikuach nefesh, you can violate Shabbos, and you also get the charitable. Oh, but what we're saying is the bar of pikuach nefesh. How is pikuach nefesh defined? On Shabbat, we're going to say if there's a one percent chance of danger, five percent, any percent chance of danger, we're going to s- tell you to violate Shabbat. When it comes to charity, urgent. It has to be. Money. He's saying a very high, higher, much higher success rate. What that is exactly? Let's assume it's uh, it's thirty percent higher, twenty percent higher, yeah, whatever that's, it is, ten percent higher. But that's very different than the, than the numbers we're applying to Shabbat. Right. So that means we're we're setting the bar higher when it comes to well, giving out your money. Well, when it comes to bikuach nevesh of of saving someone's life, when it comes to paying for a surgery, we're setting the bar a lot lower. Not you necessarily, say, because higher our back than, is, uh, when is very point, vague. Bikuach nevesh. Very vague about. Yes, but very vague doesn't mean one percent. It's clearly you saying one percent. Doesn't perc- mean one percent. Oh, because he's saying if the chances are very little, one percent is the least. So surely one percent he's not going to. He sounds like he's not even allowing ten percent, from what he's saying. That's very clear from his words. If you read it inside again, I read it to you again. He says very clearly. He says the chances have to be much higher. He says so. One percent is surely not much higher. There's no question. He says again. I read it to you again. His words. Um, he says, Kiasikui, the chances. He says, It has to be urgent that the chances of the surgery being successful, Gadol Baharbe, are much greater than if, he, than if he goes to this expert surgeon. Much greater, again, it doesn't say a number, but it's, I would say it's at least 10% minimum higher. Even 10% sounds low to me, of much greater chances. Yeah, so as, as opposed to here, Right, so that's when it comes to money. Shabbos, we say 1%. Well, but it's not even violate 1%. Shabbat. It's, it's if I feel. It's, it's no, but that it's could be one. Well. Listen, you're, uh, you, no. you're 1%. We'll give you that. Your opinion is at least no, worth 1%. No, but I'm saying, no, I'm saying the patient. If the patient, not, not, not a doctor, if the patient feels like, I feel like I'm dying, even yeah, if it's just that's like a good, that, good point. general okay, anxiety right. disorder. Right. If they're having a panic attack, and they, you know. Uh, maybe, yes. Okay. Good point, yes. So it's not so even, right, yeah, exactly, 100%, 100%. Is it better to wait for Shabbos to be over? No, so that's what we're saying. You don't, you don't, you're now at even wait, meaning if there's a chance that you're going to get into a wor- more in dangerous situation by waiting, you don't wait. You violate, you have to violate Shabbat now. Okay, so that means even there's a chance, it's a very good point you bring up, that even if, because right now he doesn't really have to go to the hospital, but there's a chance if he waits till after Shabbat, the situation could worsen. Right. Then you're allowed to violate Shabbat now, even before the danger, the onset of the danger. Oh. That's how low the bar is. Does on he Shabbat. say that you must give the money even if it doesn't go with Stucco? No, you're Arab. No, he's saying it's chesed. It's a nice thing. He said you can give a little, you know, maybe a little, you know, you, you give ten dollars, you give your eighteen dollars, but don't give him. Uh, you know, don't say I'm going to cover your surgery. Say that's not stuck. That's say it's a nice thing. He's not saying you shouldn't, but that's he says after you. It can only be after your ten percent, your minimum that you gave for charity. The way this thing is set up on Shabbos, it's an all or nothing thing. You know nothing about. Uh, unlike the first case, we know he's already seen a doctor, but now he has a preference for another one. The Shabbos situation is like you don't know if he's seen anybody or not. He's just worried about something, so he approaches no, you. I'm saying, but let's let's go not his case. Let's go in case with a medical opinion saying there's a one percent chance should have you know this could be a, you know cardiac arrest, probably indigestion. You just stay chilling. You don't know that. You, a guy approaches you in Good shul. Ninety-nine percent chances. A in guy approaches in shul. He's chance. worried about something. You don't know the prehistory. Whereas in the first case, you know the prehistory. It's not not pekuach nefesh in the sense that he already has an opportunity to get healed 
from a guy, and now he believes, or somebody believes, there's a better chance somewhere else. It's not yeah, all again, or nothing. So we, we, I think we use numbers. Let's, if we're going with numbers, so again, 1%, meaning the, the chance of danger here for the guy who comes over to you in child is 1%. The chance of, of, of more successful surgery is the same number, 1%, or 10%, or even, right? Mm. So it's about the numbers. So why is why do we treat the numbers differently depending on the mitzvah? Because I'm, saying. I'm saying why, because yeah. in Shabbos, in the Shabbos situation, you really don't have a clue what the number is when the guy approaches you. No. On, on, uh, in the I first situation, that. you have some clue already. The guy has already had recommendations hey, for so surgery. let's take his case, where, where he's saying, his, his scenario, where you know, there's a better surgeon in another hospital. I, I, I got the ambulance came, they took me to Bentab. I say, I mean, get me the hell out of this place. Take me no, somewhere else. Okay, on Shabbat. So I'm allowed to do that. The chance, again, we know the numbers. I don't know, I don't know if we know the numbers, but there's a well, better chance of, of uh, successful yeah. surgery, not well, in Bentab, unless, well, unless well, you're shy. This, this is really a very common thing nowadays because uh, there's all of this uh, talk that certain institutions are centers of excellence, they have greater numbers. And St. Luke's isn't. <laughs> and St. Luke's well, isn't. Like right. Being taped <laughs> so, the, so they have different different stats. Yeah. And I, I always remember when I practiced in a little town, people would say, do you think I ought to go to, go to, go to Houston for my colon surgery because it's MD Anderson. And they said you can go there, you can be operated on by a resident that might have even seen one of those. <laughs> or you can stay here and have an experienced board certified surgeon do it. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so so just by the way he addresses he literally addresses your case. He says Mutalhajabas there are lots of other Shabbos to bring an expert. So he, what now, how do we know that, by the way? It's not just arbitrary. He says it's based on uh, one of the things he says is the Gemara in Shabbos, um, Tracted Shabbos, says like this. It says, uh, b'shabat. You c- Obviously, we birth women on Shabbat. Um, that's considered danger. Interesting point. So he says that the Gemara itself says you call a wise one from a different place. Um, so the question is what the, the some of the commentaries there in the Gemara talk about. Why did the Mishnah, it's a Mishnah, why did the Mishnah use, should say, Mieldos. Mieldos means a midwife. Those is Yud midwife. So that's the language the Torah even uses. Yeah, by Miriam and in, in, right, in Shmos discusses the midwives of Miriam and Yochavit. So it says, it called the Torah, use the language Mieldos. What's here, the Gemara is using the language, you call a Chachama from a different city. She, even if she has to travel on Shabbat, you call her. Okay, this is, by the way, relevant doulas, even doulas today. If the woman wants someone to come with her, even not if she's going to the hospital, even the doulas are allowed to be just really holding your hand and rubbing you nicely and talking sweet things to you. They're still allowed to be mechal shabbos, right? So, so, um, so, the, so he says, so this, the Teferis Shmuley brings, he says, what's the language chachama? So he, he deduces from this that even if there's a midwife in this very same town, there is a midwife here. But there's a much chachama, a much better one in the next town, over. So there's no, she could give birth with this midwife here, fine, no problem. She has the same epidural, everything would be the same. Right, but the midwife in the next town is, for whatever reason, more skilled in her, she's delivered more babies. So he says, you see from here, that the, from he deduces, is the Teferis Yisrael, the commentary on the Mishnahis, says he deduces from here that you're allowed to bring, even though there's a midwife in this town, you're allowed to bring the better midwife from the next town over. So that's uh, interesting. Uh, 
interesting thing. So again, so we see very clearly that case that you violate Shabbat for better medical care. Okay? It's also a separate thing here, which is a psychology of violating Shabbat versus a psychology I want a charitable deduction. You know, I don't know how. That's just the word I'm using. That's we're uh, thinking in terms of IRS. We're not discussing what. No, no, I'm talking, we're talking yeah, about but, but think the fulfillment of the mitzvah stuck. But I'm thinking it this way: a Shabbos, perhaps people are more reluctant to violate Shabbos. Therefore, you want to remove all obstacles if it's a matter of potential life or death, they're, okay. because they're, as you're pointing out, like your own mother doesn't want to be taken there or doesn't want to go to the hospital. Whereas in this situation, yeah, you know, you're, it's not so clear. Different people feel differently about money. And so it's, it's in a certain way mixing apples and oranges, comparing violating Shabbat versus getting charitable deduction. Okay, but we have to understand the difference. If the Torah says, okay. you can violate any mitzvah in the Torah, and we're defining, for pikuach nefesh, and we're defining pikuach nefesh, let's say, at 5% danger, so yeah. then what, you but can't here, differentiate. But here you say it's one source. Source is violating any mitzvah The, the money could nefesh. be influencing your view of whether it's pikuach nefesh or not. True. Okay, so give us the numbers. It should be the same equal numbers. Define the You're numbers. You're not going to get numbers. Define the numbers. Give it. So he, he actually tries here to give some numbers. I'll just um, say, but, but let me just I'll finish my first take. He says like this. Um, excuse me, I got to sneeze. <sighs> Thank you. So he says, um, so he says like this, as far as the numbers, because he says again, from this case where he's saying, get a better midwife, what's better? Define better. You know, it was more the fact that she delivered more babies. Does that make it better? The fact that she has better stress pulls, so the woman should squeeze. Does that make her better? What's what makes the midwife better? Um, that that to define this law that you can violate Shabbat. So he says, What's considered a small danger? So he says he brings some sources, which again debatable, but he says, Yeah, brings a some source, Shakasaf ten percent. That 10% is considered what's called a miyatamatsi, because halacha deals with numbers a lot. Um, I don't want to get too into, into many other topics, but the many, obviously, as we know, when it comes to kashra, 60% is a majority, right? To 59 versus 60. In when it comes to, uh, without getting all the details, let's say eating eating uh, lettuce. So do I have to check it for insects? As we know, many, much of your lettuce has a lot of protein in it, Torah prohibits eating insects. So the, the basic rule is, at least biblically speaking, is if it's called a miyotamatsi, that means if even if there's a minority of your, of let's say, uh, butter lettuce or romaine lettuce has bugs in it, I don't have to, uh, it has to be what's called a minority that's normally found. Okay, in order for you to be obligated to check. like this. Okay, no, we're talking about little bugs. <laughs> okay, so, so there's something called a miyotamatsi, and it has to be defined in numbers. What's called a miyotamatsi? Miyotamatsi means a minority. It's not only if majority of lettuce heads have bugs, even if a minority of them have, but it's normally found. So let's say in this thing, in asparagus, you usually find bugs. So then you have to check it, even though the only minority of asparagus has bugs. That's an example of numbers. You hear this? 9-11 today. Wake up. Um, so uh, so uh, he, says, he says like this. So he says that he's defining Mia Tamatsi as 10%. He's putting a number. So he's saying maybe we could use that same number. Yeah. So, um, or if you have, for example, he gives another. He says, he says, for example, if you have 100 animals and 10 of them are found to be trefa, that means they're, they're terminally ill. So you have in this herd. So that's called Mia Tamatsi. Now I have to go ahead and check all the other animals to make sure they're not terminally ill before I eat them. 
pay after I shecht. So that would be, so 10%, one second, let me finish this point. So, um, and he, then he brings from his father-in-law, Yashav, says that Tachan, uh, even 5% would be called, uh, that 5% would be called that means that you wouldn't have to check. So somewhere between 10 and 5%, he's applied, wants to apply a number. So he says the same thing, maybe would apply to Pikuach Nefesh. Um, we have to look at uh, weigh the, the two sides. In Bitoch Perz Manzeh Shal Arbashot. So let's say, let's say as far as waiting, there's four hours till after Shabbat, like he has the question, should I wait till after Shabbat? So how much time, because obviously there has to be a point that at some point that's negligible, even when it comes to Shabbat. You can't say, you know, a guy stubbed his toe, you know, maybe there's a blood clot now because he stubbed his toe and we're going to violate Shabbat to bring it, I mean, so it's ridiculous. At some point it becomes ridiculous. You can't say if anything you violate Shabbat. So he's saying like this, he says, um, so he says, let's say about waiting the four hours, he says, he says you have to look at the numbers between having the emergency surgery right now and if he waits four hours and figure out, you know, is that more than 10%, less than 10%? That's what he's proposing. I don't know how you figure out those numbers. He's getting closer to this. Well, well that's what he's, you know, he's addressing. So how, that's, where do you, how do you figure out those numbers? No. I have no idea. Sure. Okay, so, so he says, but he, he's, at the end of the day, he's coming out you need at least a 10% better chance to be considered better chance. Anything less than 10% is negligible. Okay. And by the way, just uh, uh, finish because the, the same person who wrote this about the tzedakah, I found he actually poses this question in a different place about defining pikuach nefesh. How do we define pikuach nefesh? So I read you what he says. He says like this. He says, "Linian ikar daver man nikra safik pikuach nefesh." We're saying the safik pikuach nefesh. You're uh, you're um, you're allowed to violate Shabbat. Your head is very bright. It's, uh, take out the battery. Um, so he says like this. He says, uh, he says, What's considered pikol nefesh? What's not? That Where's the border? He says. So he says. Um, he says, I'm really not sure. Meaning, he's this great rabbi saying, I don't know how to define it exactly. How do you define pikol nefesh? Suffolk, or a doubtful case of pikol nefesh? But I know when I see it. <laughs> so he says, Elisha mitzad asfar. This is what he says. He says, interesting litmus test. He says, what's the litmus test? Shemitzad asfar, nearly on his diet. It seems, in my humble opinion, the call should derech rov b'nei adam, levrach mizeh, anything that your average person would run away from this, kibarech m'deyasakadam, because it's considered dangerous, and they're, therefore they're going to run from it. I don't know exactly what he means. I raise a chash of kisaf nefesh. Therefore, um, he says that's defined as a case of Safi Pikor Nefesh. The Karina Kai Gavna the Chaibahem, and we say we apply the law of the Chaibahem, which means you can violate any Torah law, that you don't die for a mitzvah. Most people are not afraid of this, and they're not scared of it. Let's say bungee jumping. So how, would you, how would you define that? I mean, most people are scared of bungee jumping, skydiving. Right. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, so, yes. So he's saying that would be called enough for self because nefesh, then maybe you wouldn't be able to do it. Okay, um, halachically speaking. Um, he says this is his, his example and is relevant to what we're discussing. He actually really very relevant today about inoculations, right? About uh, vaccinations. Vaccinations. Thank you. So, um, uh, so, he, so he says like this. He says, listen to this. He says that let's say we discussed this a number of years ago. I hope you don't remember. The, the, the case is that, let's say there's only, the, the, right, normally a, a child hits their date they're supposed to get inoculated by, so he says like this, I'll just read it to you, he says it better than I can. Um, he says like this, Tzatz Dugma, an example of this would be, L'kach HaKavat Zrikat Ababuot, which I looked up this morning, so I wasn't sure what that means, but he's saying basically inoculations, Ababuot is smallpox or some type of pox, 
um, for children. He says, Maybe, halakhically speaking, you have to be very careful with this. And you have to do it as early as possible that the child can get it in order that they shouldn't get this disease, whatever the disease may be for the vaccination. But when once the doctor says, okay, it's time to get the inoculation, to get the vaccination, you have to do it. But still, in Regal and Klala, those repeals with reasons. No one's running the second the day comes. They have it marked on the calendar. Today is vaccination day. They have to run to the pediatrician and take their kid emergency. You know, you're going to call an ambulance if it's Shabbat to take their kid to get inoculated. And he says it doesn't work like that. Even though it's a sakana, if you don't inoculate, if you don't vaccinate. One could argue there's somewhat of a danger, right? And therefore, you got to go and even on Shabbat. Because of course not. No one says, no one's going to allow you to go vaccinate your child on Shabbat. You can wait till Sunday. Right? So even though there's, there's a danger involved. Um, but he says, let's see a situation where, which we've had in the past in the United States, there's a flu vaccination, it's an old person, and there's not enough flu vaccinations around. So if he doesn't go today on Shabbos, the, the doctor says we're out for the next four months. If you don't come today, we're going, whoever walks in the door, we're going to give the vaccination to. We're going to give the, the flu vaccine to for this older person who's, uh, who's has a chair, you know, it's a serious danger. They should get it, right? So he says, if you don't come today, we're, we're not going to get it. It's as a short supply. We're not going to have it for the next four months. So he says, in that case, you can violate Shabbat to get the vaccination, okay, in that situation. So a fascinating example he gives, very relevant today. So he says, meaning... The fact that normally people are not concerned, they're not running to do it. So that will not define itself in Bikol Nefesh. I can't get the vaccination on Shabbat. I can't violate Shabbat to get the vaccination. But if this is the other, for the next six months there's no vaccination around, then you can get in a car and drive and get the vaccination. Yeah. He, he was Friday. waiting his more patiently. Friday was a uh, second yeah. birthday. Yeah. His, uh, soliciting charitable funds for a necessary surgery, a violation of Shabbat, in general, if you, if you say you think you need a surgery. If a person needs money for emergency surgery, of course you're allowed to vouch back okay, to solicit so those funds. The no question problem. here in this case is, can you, what constitutes... Uh, permission to violate Shabbat to ask for charitable funds on Shabbat. That would be a more apt comparison to the yeah, other one. Yeah, it's the same answer. If right, the surgery that, is, is deemed necessary, of course you can violate Shabbat. But this gets down to what's Bekuach Nefesh. Now this guy's definition is a bit problematic because I give you the difference between what everybody thinks is danger and a doctor thinks is danger is entirely different. I mean, everybody here probably, the physicians at least have had this experience. You're on call, you're supervising some residents, and you get a call from the nurse about so-and-so had something happen. The resident may think that's not important, I'll wait until later. You as the attending says, no, you need to go now. You have a different opinion about how dangerous the situation is. This comes up, I mean, every day when you're on call. I mean, it's all the time. Some guy says it's not dangerous, some guy yeah, says it is point, dangerous. Yeah. Huh? So get to the point, yeah. So the definition of Bakuach Nefesh is in the eye of the beholder. Here he's saying it's every man, unless the doctor says. But I'm telling you, doctors disagree on what Bakuach Nefesh is. Okay, so that's a different question. Time. That's a very good question. What happens if you have a disagreement between doctors? Right now we're trying to define uh, a, a what's the Safi Bakuach Nefesh. Now, what happens if you have a disagreement between doctors? That's discussed in Shokhanar. That's, that's a whole different question of what's of a disagreement between doctors. How do you decide between doctors? I don't think it is. We have that, principles. Because that's what this guy is saying. No, he's not saying there's a disagreement. He's saying 
if depending on the case. If the doctor says there's more than 10% yeah. chance, let's say, right. that the surgery will be better there, then do it. Then that's charitable. If there's less than 10%, then you don't. But he's smart he's not enough saying to know that basically. If there is a disagreement, that's a, that's a good question. He's basically I'm not, telling I'm not go fight about it. We're agreeing. Go fight I'm not him. arguing with you. He's not saying that. He's yeah, saying it depends is. on the situation. You're saying what happens if there's a disagreement between doctors? So the Shulchan Aruch discusses. No, I'm saying it's guaranteed to be a disagreement among that doctors. That could be. Uh, listen, not that's only Jewish doctors. Yeah. <laughs> what were you saying? Are you finished? Okay. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. so now so so I'm just going to introduce here another fascinating case, and then we'll get to the the difference why money and Shabbos should be different, okay? So before, so this is a case that he posed here, a fascinating case, um, relevant to money, and then he discusses the difference. So the case is like this, uh, I'm not going to read you the whole case, but basically, the guy's on an airplane, a physician, that's why physicians should never fly, always take the bus, go ground. Um, the, the, you're on a plane, and the guy, uh, the, the, the stewardess comes over, or the captain comes over, the guy's a real story, that was posted in 1990, I'm again, probably an LL flight. It's like 400 doctors on, on board. So the guy, the captain comes over and says, we have someone with a serious situation here. It was an overseas flight going to England, I believe, and can you check him out? So he checks him out, and, uh, and, the, and the captain tells him right away, you make this, it's your decision. If medically you think we have to land the plane, we're ready to do it. Um, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do. Okay, as you know, to land a plane, especially if you just took off, is costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. You have to dump the fuel, fuel environmental concerns, Greenpeace, a lot of issues um, in in landing a plane um, early. Okay, um, so so the but the captain said whatever you decide. So the Rofe basically checked out. He says the guy checks him out. Um, he says and he's thinking in his heart. Um, he says he's thinking this is full of there's 400 people on board. And this surge, this guy, um, to land it, obviously would cost a lot of money, all these people, their time, etc., and everything else. So, but, um, he's, so after checking him out, he decides, um, he, he got the guy stabilized, whatever this, he doesn't explain the medical situation, what it was, but, um, yeah, let me just see if he explains it anymore. There's four hours to landing, okay, so he, basically the doctor stabilizes the guy, he's out of immediate danger, but now there's four hours till he get him to a, a medical center. So he has to decide, should he land the plane or not? Early, early in the four hours. So Bissau Shadavar, Hilchlet Tarofe, says the doctor decides to continue the flight because the Rove Gadol, the majority, there's, there's little chance that the four hours is going to make a difference in his treatment, okay? And chances are he's going to make the four hours and he'll be able to be treated four hours later. Okay, so then he comes after the flight. This guy came to the rabbi and asked the rabbi if he did the right thing. Okay, because um, he realized in, in the laws of Shabbat, even there's a one percent chance you don't take chances when it comes to pikuach nefesh. So did he do the right thing by um, telling the captain you can go ahead another four hours and not have an emergency landing, um, an early landing? So what would you say in that? What would you do in that scenario? That's how confident the doctor was. Well, I, I, I can tell you this. That's not the way it works in the real Listen, world. Yeah, I, just, I just had virtually the exact same situation yeah, flying to England, I ask The exact same situation. This is also England. See that? Maybe uh, shouldn't, people shouldn't fly to England. What? Sensation? Well, here, the mouth. Yeah, tell it quickly, yeah. This guy, they say, is there any medical personnel on the planes? I figure like you. Right? I've been through this a lot, so I knew nobody else was going to get up. Yeah, so I get supposed up. to have a newspaper. And it's like the guy is in the back. He's on the ground. And he's like, 
Ugh. He's in a lot of pain. He's having, this is a classic thing, crushing chest pain. He's having a heart attack. And it's got a slow pulse rate. So immediately, the guy's having an what inferior... What is his pulse rate? Like 60, 65. Oh, say it's an inferior myocardial infarction. Slow heart rate. <laughs> yeah. So slow. first I try to get the stewards to help. They don't have... They, they can't do anything without asking the head stewards who has to ask the captain. They have to call mm -hmm. someone in Arizona. And they won't let me talk to the doctor in Arizona who makes this exactly the decision you're talking about. And I say, this is bullshit. I need to talk to the captain now. This guy's having a heart attack. He's at risk of dying. And you need to give me access to your defibrillator or whatever else you got. So ultimately, I convinced him this guy's having a heart attack. And they, the guy in Arizona says, no problem. Just keep flying. That's what they decided. I didn't have any input in it. The guy in Arizona who hasn't seen the patient won't talk to me. The question is, do you have the input? That's the difference between LL and The question was, you do have the input. That's the question. Yes. This was United. No, I read those British Airways. So finish the story. What happened? So the guy, so eventually, it took a couple hours. Each time I wanted to give an aspirin, it took 45 minutes to get approval. Eventually, I got some pain medicines on, which reduces pain, goes to sleep. So we land, we land. And the, the captain place. says, yeah, in England, and the captain says, everybody wait, I want to get this guy off first. <laughs> Half hour goes by, the captain gets on the phone and says, I'm really pissed, just like this. I had, I called two hours ago to have the emergency medical team here, and they're not here. Meanwhile, everyone's waiting, to, they can't take the patient off. Another 15 minutes go by and finally take the guy well, off the plane. The, the guy contacts me later on. He he's didn't need have an inferior MI. So he's alive, though. He's alive, did not so die. The doctor made the did right he have choice. An MI? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely had an MRI. As soon as the, the, right soon as the uh, emergency uh, team comes in. Do you have an EKG or something? No, they don't have that on the plane. In fact, what they the do heart. have a stethoscope. You got to listen with their blood pressure. You can't you hear can't a squat hear a on a plane. I, I was so he had an MRI. I could see it on the in the emergency in the, in the strip. So yeah. but the guy. So funny. the guy did the right. He made the right this choice. Time well, this time he did. This time he did. Well, he definitely lost that was a landing situation. Yeah, absolutely. That was a landing situation. I want to get to the punchline and I'll Bye, this is standard. Tell me what you would do. I just want to hear what you would do. So he has to die in order for it to be like what would you do in that situation? I told the guy he has to land the plane. I told the guy he has to land the plane. Where were you coming from? Where were you coming from? From Houston to England. Where the hell are you going to land between Greenland, Iceland, Nova Scotia, a lot of places. About four hours. They always go. Away from me. So I just want to get people's opinion as to what they would do, not Shelly's situation, but this situation. In your situation, you're saying for sure you'd have to. Experience. I told Landon you know, They asked me my opinion. It so happened that that I had ruled out an MI. Yeah, I ruled it in. Weren't very very convincing, and so. I spoke with the guy on the ground, and I said, I don't, he said, what do you think? And I said, I don't think we need to stop. I didn't want to stop. You're going to golf. And going That's right. And, and the guy was fine. But, but they asked my opinion, and, and I, I didn't think he was having anything. Nobody By the way, the, okay. the rules well, are the way I describe them. You can't speak to the guy. The all the decisions made on the ground. Those are the rules. statistics. They have a protocol. The guy in Phoenix has a protocol. He follows a protocol. What would you do? Because I've had it. I've had it. 
three times. In fact, my kids woke me up the last time. I'm not flying. I'm sleeping. They go, oh. Hubba, they're looking for a doctor. I'm like, oh, I'll let them find one. But this <laughs> is the exact same situation. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. yeah, push the button. So what I'm so, so, no, so I actually, I, because I'd done it twice before, I already knew about this med control thing. And and I told and I told med control, I want to get on the group. We don't it's have to Phoenix. land. This is the same place in Phoenix. Well, actually, I was, flying, I was flying to Phoenix. Yeah. No, I'm saying we have med control. Is one so for med, all the so airlines? med control for American Crazy. Airlines is Phoenix. Okay. And and I and I and I said, Megan, we we need to land like as soon no. as possible. And, and they so did? they yeah, they went great. from instead of going like 450 miles an hour, we went like 550 miles an hour, yeah. and then we got cleared first to land. Slight mm -hmm. difference. So in Phoenix. Uh, yeah. So no one was upset. Either. They were happy. So huh? in that case, they were happy with right. you. They yeah, yeah. I mean, Otherwise, I, everyone would be. Well, pissed. because you know, once you've done this like a bunch of times, like I said, three times, that, and you know their procedures, you know, hey, listen, call med control right now, and they're like, oh, somebody knows this. And you know, I mean, it's a different. <laughs> med control. Well, I told them that they didn't care. Yeah. Remember that. You never they wouldn't let me talk to the guy, and they didn't care. No, they never. You don't. You never hear about this in med school. How to how no. to deal with that moron. You still have to do basic internship, right? Is it a physician like or is it? So I don't. I don't like think it is. I think it's. I, I don't think it's a physician. It's insurance guy. I, no, I don't think it's. I think it's. It's. Nowadays, it's probably like a paramedic. When I did it, I was a physician. It's been a while, and it's really worth. Physicians going online if they're going to fly. And seeing what's actually in their emergency. Oh bag. yeah. Oh, I can it's tell you what's in. more complete than I thought it would. Well, be. it's much less it's complete changed. than I thought it would. Be. It, it's changed over time. The first time I went on, it was a a 500 cc bag and an angiocath. I'm like, who's gonna? What's this gonna do? 500 cc. One time I had a guy having grandma seizures. They bring me a thing. Let me see what you got. They said, well, we have aspirin. We have band aids. I say, what else? We have aspirins, we have band-aids. I mean, oh, I, give me the actually, aspirin. I've given give the aspirin. I've given Fenergan on an airplane. You take the aspirin, you give him the band-aids. <laughs> <laughs> like an airplane. You know, okay, so I wanna, I wanna Let me do that. Can I want to get to the so. answer. Um, okay, so so <laughs> basically, you do a cliffhanger. We can wait till next week for the answer. Yes, he's done with this topic. Yeah. out of time next week. Um, oh, well, we need like the this. answer. So more, so two places to discuss. Let me get to the punch. Are you flying? So he, he goes on to say, so he asks this question, so what's the difference? Why, um, when it comes to someone else's money or your money or money, where we seem to change the bar. So he's addressing this issue. Um, so the first thing he says you have to understand, that there is an obligation, just the basic background here is to spend money to save someone's life. So, so there's a, there's a, as a matter of fact, the Gemara in Sanhedrin talks about, Osama, it says there's two verses in the Torah that, that tell us the obligation to rescue. One is, do not stand idly by when your brother's blood is being shed, which is an obligation to rescue. Um, even if you're not a physician, by the way, if you know what you're doing, you know how to swim, you have to jump in and save someone, right? So if you're a physician, surely, then you're you have the same, everyone has equal obligation, but it depends obviously on your knowledge and your education is, that's what's going to obligate you in different scenarios. So, and then the Gemara brings another thing of Ashavas Aveda, which is the fact that the Torah requires you, another source requires you to return someone's monetary value, surely you have to restore their life, if possible. Okay, so the Gemara says, why do we need two sources? For? Well, the Torah doesn't say, why are we bringing two sources? It says the Torah, it's to tell you that you also have to, even if it's going to cost you money to save their life, that still doesn't 
that doesn't uh, negate the obligation. So even if it's gonna, you're going to have to spend money, the question is how much? There seems to be different opinions. Some say up to a fifth of your assets, of your net worth, has to be spent to save someone's life. Others say um, um, there's no cap. A fifth of your assets, not your fifth income. of your net worth, yes. Whoa. Okay. Um, so without, without getting to that, that's a whole different discussion now for today. Um, but, the, but the point is, so I do have to spend money to save someone's life. So again, so now why should it change? So why, why, why do seem seemingly the numbers change? Um, so it says like this. Um, I want to get to the punch punchline. I'm trying to jump to the punchline here. So it says like this. He says a very big finish here, which I've never seen this before. Ma an unbelievable thing. And he says, he's not sure if this is correct, but he wants to propose... The difference between Shabbat, he says like this, he says, we have a, uh, a, a, a heter, as we know, the Torah says, shall live by the mitzvot, and that allows us to violate any Torah law to, in order to save someone's life, in order to save life, if someone's life is in danger. Even Suffolk, it would say, even if there's a 1% chance, violate Shabbat. So he wants to propose that this is only applicable, to, as we know, there's two categories of mitzvot, it's good to know this, as Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is coming up, that there's a category of what's called mitzvah ben adam lemakom, between you and God, and then there's what's called mitzvah ben adam lechavero, mitzvah between you and fellow man, man and fellow man, and and uh, there's, there's many differences between those two categories of mitzvah. So he wants to say that the whole, the concept of uh, violating um, a mitzvah in order to save life, um, under any, even a 1% chance, is only applicable for mitzvot ben adam lemakom. Okay, that means if between me it's between God. me and God. Right. So now God says, listen, yes, in this situation, I want you to violate any law. The Torah shouldn't, any mitzvah that I give you shouldn't endanger your life. Okay, so now what's one of this, one of the, um, the Gemara and Yuma gives eight different reasons why it's permitted and eight different sources. And we discussed it in the past. But one of them is, basically, it's, it's just logical because you look at the net worth. Let's say it comes to Shabbat. A guy's in cardiac arrest. If we let him, uh, you know, we don't say, oh, we can't violate Shabbat. So we leave him there. He's not going to end up, and we don't take him to be treated. So that's it. This is his last Shabbat. He's never going to keep Shabbat again. Right? If we violate Shabbat, if we allow you to violate Shabbat, says the Talmud, Yishmor Shabbatot Harbe. He's going to end up keeping many more Shabbats. It's an investment. So it's an investment. It's really, it's, not, it's an investment in the future. Your net gain... No, as if I don't violate Shabbat for this guy to save his life, he's, he's never keeping Shabbat again. So very nice. So you, you kept one law this Shabbat, but now he's never going to keep Shabbat again. If, this is a very obviously a theological perspective, um, okay, so, but if we violate Shabbat, or we give him not kosher, so he's going to end up keeping many more years of Shabbatot and keeping kosher, whatever, whatever law we're violating. So your net gain is actually greater. So this okay. applies only to people who, sick people who are Shomer Shabbat. Oh, so we do make leniencies for people. I know you're having so chest pain, but do you keep Shabbos? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so it's not only Shabbat, it's all laws, but the, the Miri says, listen, you never know. He might do tshuva and I'll keep Shabbat today. You know, so you don't know what's going to happen later on in his life. So therefore we violate even people. Though. It's, a good, it's a good point. Um, not so politically correct.
It's very, right. oh. it's very similar. You've only done half the whole concept Cass, of I'm compassion. Getting there, you and is it compassionate for me to reach in your pocket and take oh, your money? Exactly. So now he says, but that's exactly the point. So he says, so that's very relevant. Your net, I can look at my net gain when it's talking about me and God. So now, the net gain is more mitzvot at the end of the day by violating, by violating the mitzvot today. The net gain is more mitzvot. Okay? God said so. Right, God said so. But when it comes to me sticking my hand in your pocket, that's a whole different story. Who are me, he want me to say, well, I'm going to do more and more mitzvot so I can take your money. That's a whole different situation. Sound like a Democrat. Okay. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no let's not get political. So, so there he says that the the rationale of net gain is not applicable. I don't have. I don't. I'm not obligated to help you do more mitzvot. It's not my problem. So therefore, he says over there. You, you know. So when it, therefore, when it comes to the net gain, let's say we said Shabbat doesn't exist, as we said. We get into all that. Meaning, is no Shabbat. God says, do whatever you can. To, to, to violate Shabbat, well, even if it's a 1% percent chance. But now you have a new question. I have to land this plane, it's going to cost the airline $100,000. All these people are going to miss their meetings. This guy's missing his dad's funeral. The other guy's missing his golf game. Right? So you have 400 passengers on the plane. So now I have a new question. You know, it's a 1% chance, so there's a 5% chance that uh, he needs treatment. So should I, you know, all these other people are going to get messed up and, and we're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that's a different question. Um, Which is the bigger picture? Oh, so that's, that's what he's saying. So there, the numbers, it has to be a real number in order to be considered um, that, in order to be considered um, that you, you're going to take people's money away and their time, etc. That's number one. Beautiful. Number two is, he says another thing. He says, because again, why? Because what's the source of rescue? Source of rescue, don't stand idly by. So now let's go back to the case where the, you have the two surgeons, let's say, Shlomazam and Orbach's case, where I can get a better surgery, there's a 5% there's a chance or an 8% chance of the better surgeon in the United States. So should we give him money to fly to the United States to, to have the better chances of survival? 8% chance better, okay? Better chance of survival. He's saying, what's the source? Don't stand idly by. If the guy already has his doctor and he's getting treated, he has insurance covering it, you, you're not standing idly by. He's, you did something. He has insurance. He's covered. He has a surgeon. You can't apply. You can't stay. If I didn't give him money for the better surgery, that's called standing idly by. That would not be a that's violation of standing idly by. Standing okay. 